We are in Luke chapter 24 at the end in verse 36. So if you have your Bible, please turn to it. Uh, It'll be helpful to have your Bible with you. Has anyone got through Luke in our Bible reading plan? Lots of us. Well done. Some of us are into Acts. Okay, let me read from verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do you doubt? Why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Our Father in heaven, that's our prayer now as we come under your word. We pray you would open our minds and our hearts to the truth of the scripture, that we might be challenged and encouraged, led on as your church. Lord, may we be thrilled with the fact that there is news worth sharing. May we be inspired today in the name of Jesus. Amen. As many of you know, we mentioned just before, Janet mentioned it, uh, there's been a few uh, grandchildren bought. uh, Bought? (coughs) Born, born. Brain, start working. Um, Some grandchildren born, and Leanne and I are so thrilled to have our granddaughter Lucy Grace come into the world Friday week ago, I think it was. Um, It was early in the morning on a Friday, and so we heard about an hour after the birth of Lucy. And we were busting as you are to tell the world, but no, you can't, because mum and dad... It's their news, and, and we're waiting most of the day until we sort of got the go-ahead that night to let a few people know that we're on our list. Have you ever been in that situation, that you are busting at the seams with some news that's so worth sharing, but you've got to hold on? Today's message in our study of Luke and Acts is entitled, News Worth Sharing. We have news worth Sharing. Do you remember when the head of the Olympic Committee in the year 2000 or just before said, and the winner is Sydney, and everyone cheered? It was amazing news, but I would put it to you that that's nothing like the news the disciples had to share from that upper room when they saw the risen Lord Jesus appearing to them from the dead. Dr. Luke explains Chapter 24, 36, the disciples are gathered in that upper room and, of course, they are traumatised. They're traumatised. They've watched their friend, their Lord, their master, brutally flogged, horrifically murdered through crucifixion. And then all of a sudden, he turns up amongst them, standing there. I found this funny. It's like he turns up and he goes... Peace. Peace be with you. They're thinking that he's a ghost. He says, touch me, see my wounds. This is not a ghost. 
This is not a man resuscitated from the dead. Many have come back from a period of time in death. But no one has been resurrected, amen? There's only one human being who has been resurrected from the dead. He has the immortal flesh that the Apostle Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 15. He has been clothed with immortality, which is sort of weird because he is God, and of course he is immortal, but he's also fully human. And so he has been clothed, firstborn from among the dead, with immortality, and this has happened in time and space. A human being has been resurrected, the first one, and because there's been one, there can be more. That is our hope as Christians. This is crazy good news. And then he says something that's rather odd. He says, could I have something to eat? Now, I sort of got to think from reading what Paul said about this immortal new flesh, that it would be like a Tesla. Humanity version 2.0, and they're, they're fueled by something different. Don't you reckon? Like Tesla has energy from electricity, cars need petrol. Doesn't this new resurrection flesh get fed by something different? Well, it, it's interesting. It's just interesting that he eats humanity version 1.0 food with them. Verse 44, Jesus says, I told you this would happen. Everything had to be fulfilled that was spoken from the law of Moses through the prophets and the Psalms. We've been saying this, that he was foretold. The Messiah was foretold. He appeared, God in human flesh. And he was anointed by the Spirit. And then he shared his mission And he unveiled the mysteries of the kingdom through parables and then he also performed the supernatural miracles that we've come to know as we read our gospel account. And he came to seek and save the lost. That's what Ben spoke about last week. And then verse 45, as I just read, he said to them, I'm going to open your minds so that all of this makes sense. You need to understand, as he appeared to them, firstborn from among the dead, that this is the fulfilment of all the the years of prophecy, of all the Old Testament scriptures. The Messiah, verse 46, will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. So, there's some news worth sharing, but we can't just race past how this was achieved. So, we need to spend some time. Last week, as I mentioned, Ben spoke about the one who came to seek and save the lost. And he quoted this amazingly insightful and profound scripture in Ezekiel where God the Father says, I will be like a shepherd and I will seek out my lost children. I will seek you out, my people. And then Luke says in chapter 19 that it's Jesus who fulfills the promise that God said he would do. 
It's Jesus who has come to seek and save the lost. And if you remember last week, Ben, as Stephanie has done today already, turned and said, that's how we did it. That's how we came. That's how we sought the lost. That's how we made a way to fix the problem of sin. That cross is quite ornamental in a way. Uh, It's spiritual. It's meaningful. The reason it's meaningful, that cross or the one that hangs around your neck, is in an odd way we celebrate a tool of torture. We celebrate an electric chair hanging around our necks because Jesus died for the sin of the world on that cross. That's how we can be known by the Father. That's how our sins can be forgiven. That's how we can live forever. And that news is worth sharing. It's so worth sharing that I want to just take some time and work our way. If you have your Bible, I'd love you to flip over to these scriptures. You'll see them on the screen. But remind yourself what you may have read before or what you need to have a read of. Dr. Luke tells us in chapter 22, verse 3, that the betrayer, Judas, is entered by Satan. It's a cosmic showdown that's about to take place. It's not yin-yang dualism. They're not equal and opposing forces. But there is a great antagonist in the drama of salvation, the accuser from the Garden of Eden, the Satan. And we're told that he was right there entering Judas. And then chapter 22, 47 to 48, Jesus is betrayed with a kiss from Judas. You ever wondered why that has to be in this story? It powerfully picks up what we've all done to God, doesn't it? That we are the betrayer. We have betrayed our creator. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 2254. Jesus is arrested and taken to the house of the high priest. The humility is breathtaking. Jesus is the great high priest. And yet he submits and is taken to a man. 2266. Jesus is unjustly tried before a quickly pulled together religious council at the crack of dawn because they have to get some charges so that they can justify taking him to the one who could kill him. 23 verse 1, they take him to Pilate, the Roman governor. And that fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah 53. They want to have him killed for treason against Caesar. 23 verse 7, Jesus is sent to Herod, the puppet Jewish king. Herod mocks and ridicules Jesus and sends him back to Pilate. 23 verse 23. The people ask that a notorious criminal named Barabbas, we're told in the other Gospels, be set free in place of Jesus. The parallel to what is actually happening in this divine exchange of the righteous for the unrighteous, for all humanity is palpable, isn't it? Barabbas Barabbas is us. The unrighteous being set free through what Christ is doing and the offer of this divine exchange in the gospel. 23, 26, 
the cross is carried to the place called the skull. 23.33. Luke simply says, they crucified him there. And Jesus asked the Father to forgive those who will execute him. 23.44. In the middle of the day, the sky goes dark. And it's as though the Father is covering the shame of his son being clothed in our sin. He says, no, you won't. Look at my naked son dying for all the world. And Luke says, the curtain in the temple that kept the ordinary folks away from the Holy of Holies, that kept everyone other than the, the high priest away from the presence of God, is torn from top to bottom. Hallelujah. Symbolising this opening of potential relationship between humanity and Father God. And then Luke says, Jesus breathed his last. And then 23.55, Jesus is laid in a tomb. It's important that we know this. There are witnesses of the fact. He died and he was buried. And then 24, 1 to 8, we've been singing about it today. We get used to this a bit, I think. It happened. It really happened. In time and space, in history, 2,000 years ago, the Saviour of the world, the Lamb of God, who had died for the sins of the world, broke through the grave and rose again. Hallelujah. He conquered death because death could not hold him down. The grave could not suppress him. The stone is rolled away and the angels witness to the truth of the resurrection of the Son of God to the women who were at the tomb. Then Jesus shows himself to the two on the walk to Emmaus and then to the eleven in the upper room. It's a glorious story to retell, isn't it? And this brings us all the way back to Luke 24, 46. Jesus has risen from the grave and he is very keen to make sure that his disciples have absolute clarity about what has happened. So he says, then he opened their minds, Luke says, he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Now it's happened. Now what? We're told in verse 47, and the disciples are told, Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. There's a job to do on this shared mission. There's a job to do. Something's happened. It's news worth sharing. <laughs> and it needs to be proclaimed to all the world. The task is to tell the world what Jesus has done. He lived, he died, he rose again. That makes him Lord. Jesus is Lord. Let the cosmos know if it didn't already know. Jesus is Lord, he's king, he's master, he's ruler, creator. He is God, this one who walked among us. He is the saviour of the world. So repent. Repent. Change the way you think. Turn away. Stephanie talked about it before. Turn away from living for yourself. 
Live for the glory of the one creator who made you and loved you and saved you. Cast yourself on the mercy of this great Lord and merciful Lord. Put faith in Christ as saviour. Tell the world there is forgiveness for sins. Hallelujah. The broken can be fixed. The condemned can be released, set free and forgiven. Repent. Turn 180 degrees away from the direction of your allegiance with the world and turn towards God by his grace. Like the prodigal son last week, turn your face toward home. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Turn your face toward home. Turn your face toward home. And Jesus said in that parable, you will see a loving father running toward you. It's not about your spiel, your speech on how you should be forgiven. He's coming for you. Tell the world you are witnesses. Jesus says, don't worry. I know this is stressing you. You don't have to do this witnessing in your own strength. For Verse 49. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And the Holy Spirit comes and we'll talk about that, Lord willing, next week. There is news worth sharing. Have you received this good news? Have you accepted it? Do you believe it? You need to. You need to. Not, the question is not, did your parents and grandparents believe it? Did your husband believe it? Did your wife believe it? Do your kids believe it? The question is, do you believe it? Do you believe Is this news good news for you? Well, this historically verifiable news is exactly that. I want to proclaim that and declare that today. The genre of this information is news. It's not fairy tale. It's not once upon a time. I came across this classic piece of news, which is a little bit spooky with what's going on with Ukraine at the moment. Um, War ends at 6 o'clock this morning. Armistice was signed in France at midnight. The armistice has been signed. It was signed at 5 o'clock a.m. Paris time. Hostilities will cease at 11 o'clock in the morning, 11th of November 1918. That was news worth sharing. Stop. Put your arms down. Guns down. The war's over. The troops are coming home. The reign of death and destruction has ended. The Apostle Paul wrote in Colossians 1, listen to these words. He summarises this good news so powerfully. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That's what we just read about. The, the impact was eternal. Back throughout all of history, the blood of Christ can cleanse sin all the way through the future. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, we all know about that, don't we? We've just done wrong. 
we, we feel our conscience pricking us, saying, this is not good. You don't deserve a relationship with God. But now, and these two words are beautiful, but now, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. Faith in Christ means we are without blemish and free from accusation. Is there an hallelujah? Free from accusation. No condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.1. That's the accomplishment of Jesus dying and rising in. If you continue in your faith, established and firm like solid ground, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Proclaim to every creature under heaven. That has a cosmic ring to it, doesn't it? That's the plan of the ages, that this news that we're talking about today is heralded to the world. They need to know. It's news worth sharing. So what is this news? Firstly, there are not many ways to God. That's what this news tells us. It's not how it works. The current iteration of pop world thought tends to believe that deconstructing everything held sacred is the way to go. Christianity says, no, you can't deconstruct the truth of the gospel. It's unchanging, it's news, news worth sharing. God became human to save the world, to seek and save the lost. There is a big story that's bigger than our small stories that spans over everything. This is the first truth. It's real. There's one way to eternal life and it's through faith in Jesus. That's what the gospel teaches us. Secondly, the, the, the news is, you know, there's a creator and he's good. You wouldn't know it if he didn't turn up. You'd have an idea from looking at creation that someone up there is pretty good, but you wouldn't know for sure if Jesus, who is God, had not turned up and taught us what God is like. He's trustworthy. The Greeks and the Romans, they believed there was a pantheon of gods. And many religions and people alive today think so the same thing. There are lots of gods. That's not the truth that the Bible teaches. The Bible says there's one God. His name's Yahweh. His son is Jesus. And he's got a Holy Spirit who is God as well, who wants to come and fill the church and those who believe. There are not many ways to heaven and there are not many gods. Atheism, no God. The Bible says it's not true. Agnosticism, sitting on the fence. The Bible says it's not true. Does this sound a little bit in your face? I think we sort of have to be. It's news worth sharing. <laughs> it's actually the other stuff's wrong. The Bible is saying, no, let them know. And, and I think of um, the Apostle Paul, Acts 17. I've stood where he, where he said it, looking up at the, the, uh, the Parthenon, the top of Greece. And he's got all these people who believe in multiple gods. And he says, oh, I see you're very spiritual. I'm here today to tell you on Mars Hill, there's only one God. There's only one God. I'm sorry. What you have believed for many hundreds of years, it's not true. There is one God and he's good. And there is justice in this sprawling universe of life. There is justice. And there's also love. We are morally accountable living beings. There's a truth which is higher than what we think about as humans. There is an eternal justice 
which is governed by an eternal God, there are profoundly impacting consequences for sin, for wrongdoing. And you know what? We all want that. I don't think anyone says, oh, I really hope the universe isn't just. We all want that. And I want to declare to you from the truth of the Bible, what you hope for is true. There is justice at the core of the universe, and his name is Yahweh, God, creator. He is just. And he has demonstrated his justice by pouring out his wrath on the world's sin upon his son Jesus, who took that punishment in our place, and that was the love of God. You see, in the cross, with Jesus on the cross, we see the justice and the love of God kissing. It's an amazing truth. There is justice at the core of the universe, and yet there is love. And by faith, we can know God through this justice and love. Fourthly, and I've only got five, fourthly, the fact that God would become human. The fact that God would become human. Think about that. He didn't become an animal. He didn't become an angel. He became human. To die for humans so that he could send his spirit inside humans. To inhabit us. Some of us have had a self-talk when we look in the mirror and say, you are nothing. How dare you say that you are not of worth when Jesus, the Son of God, left heaven to save you and me. We are of eternal worth. Hallelujah. I know that just sounds like preaching words, but it's the truth. It's the news worth sharing. Across all the world, there's no life that is worth throwing away because Jesus showed us Humanity is of infinite worth. Your life is not inconsequential. It is weighty. Amen. It is of glorious weight. It is weighty. And we are crafted for a purpose from our mother's wombs to know the God who made us, saved us, and we're called to be his witnesses called to be his witnesses. We're worth, we're worth living a life that would honour God. We are, because he is. And finally, I want to suggest to you that the resurrection proves that there is life after death. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, because this is so epic, I don't get run over by emotion. I'm nearly there. <laughs> you, you know, I, I can get Grabbed. So, Lord, let me get to the end. The resurrection proved that there's life after death. There is food after death. Hallelujah. There is fun after death. There is life on a resurrected earth after death. There is an eternity that is beyond anything we can imagine after death. If you belong to Christ today, whatever you're going through, nothing can eternally touch you or me. And some of us are going through really hard things right now. But we are safe in the loving arms of the one we believe in. And we've been given eternal life. Eternal life beyond the grave is not just very long, though it is. It's very good. It's the quality of eternal, which is long and glorious. But we're in that now. And that's what Ben was talking about. Life learners is, I've got this life. I want to get me amongst it. 
How do I appropriate the life that you have won for me? One way to God through Jesus. The creator is good. Love and justice, luckily, fortunately, are demonstrated in the cross. Human life matters. And Jesus rose from the grave after dying for our sin and he offers eternal life to all who would believe. So, go. Go, tell the world this is news worth sharing. Sinners can be forgiven. The lost can be found. The chains can be broken. Go, don't be distracted. Tell the world Jesus is Lord of all. Go, tell the world there is truly healing in his name. There is forgiveness in his name. There is hope in his name. There is purpose in his name. There is eternal destiny found in his name. Hallelujah. May we tell this news and not be distracted. There is a fresh start today for all who need it. So can I ask you, if you need a fresh start, would you like to stand? And I'd love to just pray for you. I think maybe the band could come up and we're going to sing. It's so obvious to see um, when I look at my little granddaughter, our first granddaughter, Lucy Grace, and I, I just see potential. I see a whole life of potential. But that's what we have. So much potential. Good on you, Ash. Anyone else like to stand? It might be to give your life to Christ at the, at the first time ever. It might just be like, Lord, I want to tell this news. I want a fresh start. I want to celebrate that I'm, I'm a person that matters. And I have a calling to fulfill. Anyone else like to stand for, for prayer? Praise God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you know each person in this room and all of our complex needs. I think especially for those who have bravely stood in your presence. And before their friends and family and maybe even strangers in this room. They're standing because they're reaching out to you. And I thank you, Lord God, you know their needs and you're there to fulfill every need. For those who need a miracle in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we knock on the door like that persistent widow and say, would you break through? Would you provide what's required? That there might be more testifying to your greatness. We want to multiply the news. And for those who, who want to more effectively share this good news in this season of their life, I ask in the name of Jesus for a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit on these people. Equip them and fill them with boldness in your spirit to speak and proclaim and testify to the truth of a resurrected Lord Jesus. And may you receive all the glories as you provide what they need. In Jesus' name. Amen. Could we stand and join those standing and sing together?